Hello and welcome to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, where Team Needham discusses everything healthcare. I am your host, Sean Needham, along with my wonderful producer, Lindsay. And today we have Dr. Meyer from the Pioneer, Met, Pioneer Vet Clinic uh, with us, and I am super excited. He's a He's been a veterinarian for many years now, and at, you know, when we decided to do this radio show, we... Uh, podcast we wanted to keep it everything healthcare, and you know i will tell you animals are part of our lives they help us with our health and they need health care also so that's why we have a veterinarian on here and dr meyer does a lot of cool stuff and we're going to talk about some um, some cool stories today so uh thank you for joining us on live on my personal facebook page you can also catch us at uh the moses lake professional pharmacy's youtube site and all the podcast forums so um, SoundCloud, um, iTunes, Google Play, Play, all those. We are we are there, and um, catch us there. Like us, comment, um, share, please. Um, you're going to hear some cool stories today. So, Dr. Meyer, welcome to our show. Thank you. Yeah, and so let's just start a little bit. Let me. You kind of went in to be a veterinarian a little bit later in life. Tell me about what made you want to do that, and uh, and ha- and how that uh, transpired. I did. I did. Uh, I had grown up. Uh, working on a farm ranch and always enjoyed working with the cattle and working with the veterinarians who would come out and help us out and uh, was drawn to that field. But uh, after four years of undergrad, uh, school seemed a little tedious, so I decided I was going to take some time off. Uh, I actually have an undergrad degree in forestry, and I went and worked for the Forest Service for a bit. But... uh, didn't really like that job, so I went home back farming, ranching, and uh, got married. Forgot about going into veterinary medicine. <laughs> <laughs> got married, had a couple kids. Uh, actually, started a uh, custom haying operation on my own and was oh, doing wow. was doing that. Uh, then mid thirties, remembered that I wanted to be a veterinarian. Uh, luckily, my wife agreed to <laughs> uprooting, going to Pullman, and uh, letting me become a veterinarian. So uh, I did graduate in 1991. I was in my mid-30s. Uh, very good experience over there. I was worried about the kids going over there, you know, uprooting them. But they were. It was a great experience yeah. for them also. So it's uh, yeah. And then uh, we moved to Moses Lake. Uh, 1992, and then I uh, opened my practice in 1994. For those of you that grew up here, uh, you'll know I moved into uh, Jack Black's pharmacy. Yep, I remember that. Yeah, when he he retired, it was empty, and uh, that was my first practice until Confluence bought out that complex, and that's when we built over here and uh, moved into this facility. Yeah, well, welcome to our community. You've been a, uh, you have changed so many people's lives with some of the different animals that you've been able to uh, work on and 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 take care of. So we're going to talk about some of those today. Uh, so a few months ago, I think it was in March or April, the service dog we're going to talk about was uh, that was injured. It was a big thing in the community and 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 actually all over the state. Tell us a little bit of the story about there was a Moses Lake police dog that was shot in the line of duty. Yes. And basically, from what you tell me, saved the officer's life. Um, tell me what you know about that story and, and, and how your clinic got involved. Right. Well, we, we take care of the service animals in this area. 
And so they've got us on speed dial. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, they were doing their routine, uh, you know, chasing the bad guy thing. And, the, you know, the guy went into a field. Uh, you know, the police officer told him, you know, give yourself up or I'm going to release the dog. He didn't give him up. So they released the dog. The guy was armed. He shot the dog, which once the gunfire goes off, the police officer was forced to shoot, unfortunately, the, uh, the other guy. But the dog did take a bullet to the head. Uh, but they called us immediately. Uh, we had two doctors actually respond to it. They were able to uh, stabilize him and, uh, you know, get an IV catheter going, get everything stable. Uh, we called, somebody called Life Flight, and they stepped up big time. They brought in a fixed-wing aircraft for us, and uh, they uh, flew him out to, uh, over to WSU. Uh, since they don't have the expertise to deal with that patient, they allowed Dr. Morrison to ride with them. She flew over with them, uh, provided all the medical care during the flight. Uh, we she uh, Life Flight allowed her to use some of their medications for pain control wow. and everything. And, uh, you know, it all just fell into place. We were able to get him over there. They were able to stabilize him and, uh, you know, save his life that way. So um, did you stabilize the did, did um, the veterinarians actually um, stabilize the dog in the field, or did the, did the police bring the dog to you guys' clinic, or how did that work? They did, I don't, we did not get to, I don't think they came to the clinic. I think they did meet in the field, and uh, the doctors, yeah, placed the catheter, I believe. I wasn't there. I was out of town. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I think they met him out at the airport, our municipal airport. You know, they they were waiting out there for the fixed wing to come, you know, and keeping him stable during that with IV fluids and pain meds and stuff. Wow. Wow. What a great story. So I thank you, Life Flight, for doing what you did. I mean, you ended up saving a a dog's life, which is definitely part of our community. Important, important part of our community. And very important. And tell us a little bit about the follow-up with this dog and how this dog is going to do. And I checked with Dr. Morrison just this morning, and Chief is doing wonderful. Mm-hmm. He's still experiencing a little pain. It did shatter his the left side of his lower jaw. Mm-hmm. So there is some pain. My understanding was he takes when if he takes a big yawn, it hurts. And uh, he is now eating hard kibble, so he can add some pressure mm-hmm. without too much pain. So he's back to eating good. I mean, he did lose his left eye also, but he's, that that's uh, dogs, are, their sense of smell is so important that that's not that debilitating to him. But he's he's doing wonderful, and he's, uh, you know, living with his partner now. He's, he's no longer in the line of duty. He's retired, living with his partner. And uh, there is a, uh, basically a, uh, an organization that, takes care of these wounded warriors, our canine wounded warriors. So he uh, has all his medical bills paid for now, and they pick up medications, foods, all of that. Wow, that's super cool. I think that's called Project Nine Hero, um, and I think we're streaming it right now. Producer Lindsay, are you streaming that? And that is just super cool that uh, there's a organization out there that will help to pay for these um, animals that are in that are injured in the line of service, and I'm sure that 
they they um, get donations from all over the world. So check that out, project9hero.org. Um, so is this uncommon for, I mean, this dog literally saved this officer's life. Is that is that what I understand? Uh, it, it did, yeah. He was after an armed suspect, you know, with so if he had had to go in by himself, a likelihood is that he would have received gunfire. Right. Now, it, it seems like, you know, this is a, a very special story, but not incredibly unique when it comes to animals putting their, especially dogs, it seems, putting their um, lives on the line for humans. Is that, do you see that? Does that happen often? Well, there's a, there's a lot of stories out there of dogs, you know, alerting their owners to intruders, to fires, to different things, you know. You be out hiking, the dog will not leave the sight of a fallen companion. I mean, they will sit with you. They've kept children warm if, if they've gotten lost, you know, until they can be wow. found. So, you know, they, they bond to us very strongly. Yeah, dog, I mean, dogs are just a... They they just end up being a part of our family, and it's just amazing how, especially you know my kids grew up with a with a dog, a big Airedale. You took your Airedale, yes. <laughs> we loved Scruffy, big was, boy, big boy. Yeah, he was. We still have not seen an Airedale bigger than him yet, but he was an awesome dog, and you took great care of him, and. You know, my kids basically grew up with him, so I mean, they, they were like brothers, and but and he would protect them like. Yep. There was no tomorrow when there was when they, especially when they were small when there was somebody coming into our yard he would not let anybody come in yeah no they they do they they can and there are there are certain dogs that uh, are known to be very protective of their family group yeah yeah and, and is and that, that breed speci- more breed specific there, sometimes it can be but yeah. they, you know any of them can do it but there's uh, there's uh, there are some breeds that are more prone to that type of behavior than others that that really are protective over their their family group yeah yeah so um tell us one of the um one of the interesting things that that you do quite often is um you take care of exotics exotic animals tell us tell us a little bit about what what's what is defined as exotic (laughs) animal well, exotics are anything other than dogs, cats, horses, you know, are the, what you think of as normal. So it's going to be your the birds, the turtles, the rabbits, guinea pigs, rats, mice, snakes, lizards. You and you know, take care of all those. All of those, you <laughs> wow. know, including spiders. Yes, yes. So so we've had the privilege in our pharmacy. We, we, uh, we've been open our pharmacy since 1998, and... Dr. Meyer's been our vet since 94 when we first had a little Yorkshire Terrier. Um, but because we're a compounding pharmacy, we, we, we work a lot with veterinarians making medications for these special animals um, that, that um, you know, there's not something commercially available that they can pull off the shelf. So Correct. So we've had the opportunity to, to work with some of these special stories and um, – and be involved in them. And I remember one time when we first started doing this, Dr. Meyer had a case. I don't know if you remember this case, Dr. Meyer. And he wanted us to make something for a prairie dog and their sinuses. <laughs> and and I'm doing some research. I'm like, yeah, we can do that. But uh, it was mitotane, I think. And um, I said, yeah, we can do that. But, you know, it's going to be like at least 100 bucks or something. And they're like, oh, he's like, oh, 
it, it's okay that this these owners they don't mind paying for this prairie dog. Yes, <laughs> right. Yep. yep. So anyway, you remember this story? Well, that was yeah. I, I do remember <laughs> that one. That was the, actually the very first prairie dog. Prairie dogs are notorious for being put up on a surface like this, this high, and then they'll they don't for whatever reason don't see edges, and they'll fall off and they face plant. And they break their incisors. Their incisors are like rabbits or anything else. They continually grow. With enough trauma, they can. It'll cause a a tumor at the base of the uh, the tooth, and it it'll obstruct the nasal passages. And prairie dogs are obligate nasal breathers. They cannot mouth breathe. Oh wow! So when that gets big enough, they can't breathe anymore. When they first came into the the uh, pet trade, nobody knew how to deal with that. I called multiple exotic specialists that only dealt with it, and they say that's that's a death sentence, put it down. But this particular owner pleaded with me to try something. <laughs> so I, I did do some research and, you know, looked at anatomy, and I came up with a plan to surgically go in and try to remove it. And uh, was successful in that. W- and uh, I called one of my friends, the uh, an emergency or a, a exotic veterinary doctor. He was really excited that I'd been able to do that. <laughs> that is cool. And I did a few more, and they always they worked. And so now there are th- there's now that procedure, different procedures like that, or that are written up and used for prairie mm-hmm. dogs. Well, I remember following up with you um, a few months after the fact, and. Uh, um, I'm, hey, how'd that, how'd that medication work for that prairie dog? And you're like, oh, it didn't. And I said, so what'd they do? Well, you talked about the surgery and I said, well, wow, how much did that cost? It was like a couple thousand dollars. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I said, sure. I mean, my, my first question was, well, how long does a prairie dog live? And your answer was some, I don't know if you remember this, like, well, that's just it. We don't really know because we haven't had them in captivity. We've <laughs> not been captivity long enough. We didn't know all of that, and though it wasn't a couple thousand dollars. Okay, I, I'm not sure, but it was still it was an especially expensive back for yeah for that. But you get attached to these Absolutely. pets, and and uh, one of the exotic pets that people really get attached to are rats. You know, rats they freak people out, but other people love them, and they of all the rodents. They are the most like a little dog. Really? People get really attached. They're social animals, and they want to be with their owners. They love to be on their shoulders and be with them. So people get really attached to rats. And I mean, to some of us, it's like, well, that's a rodent. That's kind of gross to me. But, you know, I've just learned over the years that a pet is a pet. And if it's that person's pet, I mean, it's part of their family. So we need to treat it like that. It is. It is. And rats are really predisposed to certain cancers. And people will spend a lot of money for us to remove tumors off their rats. And how long does a rat usually live in captivity? Yeah, that's the lifespan's not that great. You know, you're looking at you know three to five years is yeah. pretty average. Wow, that's my one. That's why I don't have one. I don't like that short lifespan. <laughs> right, it's hard enough for me to get attached to a dog and it dies yes. ten years later. Yes. I mean, a rat would that be? Yep, I do. I like them, but I don't like the lifespan. So yeah. I don't. I don't want to get attached to something that only lives that long. So speaking of lifespans, one of the exotics that lives the longest is is birds. Some birds, right? They'll yes. live. 
They'll outlive humans, correct? Sometimes is birds, that... turtles, tortoises. Yeah. Yep. I, Tell us the stories about that. Well, there's one tortoise, or yeah, it was a desert tortoise, California desert tortoise that was just caught by a little girl, and uh, I've taken care of that tortoise. It's now in its third generation. So, wow. so grandma, you know, mom passed it on to her daughter. Her daughter passed it on to her daughter. So it's it's it is a third generation pet. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And caught caught by grandma years ago. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and birds can they can live to be 70, seventy, eighty yep. or so. They right? can. They can. So if you adopt one of those later in life, you have to make sure that you've got somebody that will take that bird on when you die. Yes. Right. Yes. Right. So tell me some things that you've done. What would you do? What would you do with a tortoise? I mean, do they? What kind of things do you do with them? I guess they get sick too, right? They do. They do. Yeah. And a lot of it is uh, nutritional. But usually, once people figure out proper nutrition for their particular pet, then we don't have those troubles. So with exotics, a lot of it is nutrition. And uh, once we can get that scored away, things do well. So, you yeah. know, tortoises, they. They don't know how, you know, they can live for a long time. I mean, the first tortoise that uh, was brought back from the Galapagos Island by uh, Charles Darwin died not that long ago. Now, and that was in the that, 1860s? Yeah, so that yeah, one that one wow. died not too long ago, you know, <laughs> over in England. So they can go a long, long time. So it's, yeah, if you're treating them correctly and they don't get injured. So a lot of it is injury with the little turtles, dogs, Will, oh, they bite, will they, bite they, them. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that injury, you know, uh, if it's an aquatic one, uh, if you don't change the water enough, they can get fungal infections. Yeah. And so there are those different things that, uh, you know, and then with your reptiles, uh, metabolic bone disease. They require sunlight. And if you're not in the sunlight, they require a UVB light in their cage and calcium, vitamin D, those type of things. Wow, wow. So, so... I hope you guys are excited as, as I am about this. I, I get really super excited about this, and I'm not taking anything away from medical doctors because medical doctors are great. super smart, and they're great. But, you know, at least every patient they take care of has a four-chambered heart. I mean, we're talking about animals here that have <laughs> two or three chambers in their hearts, way different animals than a human. And and Dr. Meyer takes care of them. That is just that is super cool. One thing I want you to elaborate on or just – you know, for our listeners and viewers, and, and Janet, uh, my wonderful wife, says it all the time. You know, we talk nutrition a lot when it comes to humans because I think that's one thing that's really um, made it to where we just don't, we aren't as healthy as we used to be because of our nutrition. And Janet will say all the time about what's the first thing that a veterinarian asks when you take your animal into him. What do you feed them, right? Right. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> unfortunately, in North America, our health problems are the pets mirror our health problems. And obesity is one of those yep. health problems. They don't eat any healthier than us. You know, and I keep telling my clients that my patient, that dog, can't go over and open the refrigerator for itself. <laughs> So, he's, you know, it's not him that or her that's doing it. It's the owners. So, we, we really harp on them about proper nutrition, proper calorie counting, you know, and it's, ah, it's just one chip. 
well, yeah, but this is a five-pound chihuahua. (laughs) One chip is like a bag of chips for you, so... So don't do it. So that's that's a hard part, and it's and that's part of the bonding with our pets. I mean, they they love that attention and right. the food, but you know, find a healthier food. You know, a little baby carrot. They love baby carrots. Yep. Yeah, Scruffy loved those things. Yeah, too. those are and good. Apples. Scruffy loved apples. Yeah, he's a big dog. Yeah, so. yeah you know, so apples, carrots. Uh, if you got to give them a, a chip thing, a rice cake. You know, they don't, oh, you they don't care. I mean, it's a yeah. rice cake. I mean, I'm not fond of them, but my dog would take it. <laughs> yeah, so right. mainly it's coming from your hand is what, you know, it's it's that bond and, it, yeah. and the, they're really bonded to us. But yeah, so we see the obesity and along with the obesity, we see diabetes just like in people. So diabetes is more prone in our obese cats and dogs. Right, and we we had just a story like Dr. Meyer says when you when you have little dogs, especially one chip is like a bag of chips for us. You know, we had a story. We had a Yorkshire Terrier, and she was a lot smaller than Scruffy. She was about ten pounds, eight pounds. Dr. Meyer took care of her, and this is a story that you guys really need to listen to because it's not funny. Um, when we'd travel with her, like we'd go camping or whatever, um, people would treat her like a bigger dog. So they'd throw a hamburger out. And, of course, dogs are opportunists. So oh, gotcha. they just eat it all. And she would get incredibly sick. And she'd start wanting to throw up and and all night long. And we didn't really know what was going on. Well, Dr. Meyer says that it probably threw her into acute pancreatitis, yep. right? Yep. So what happens is... Well, either it's a little dog or a big dog or a human, if we overstuff ourselves, if we overeat, our pancreas cannot keep up. So, Especially with fatty foods. Yeah, especially with fatty foods because the pancreas helps to digest fats. Well, a small dog eating something so big like that, um, it gave her acute pancreatitis. It happened a few times, and guess what happened? Later on in life, she developed diabetes, and it's really from some people feeding her the wrong food at the wrong time. And they kind of thought it was funny when she ate a whole hamburger. And we didn't think it was funny. And it wasn't funny. It really hurt her health. It can does. You, it can does. you expand on that? There is. And there are certain breeds that are more prone to it. Some of the terrier breeds are more prone to it. They're, the way they handle their fats is different. When we draw blood on schnauzers, I mean, they're, they have a, it's what they call lipemic blood. So when we spin it down and we're sending it out to the lab, it's milky looking. The, a lot of fat. the serum is milky looking. It's just, it's just the way they happen to handle the fat, and it predisposes them to pancreatitis if they eat wrong. So you just got to you know, find out what your dog you know, works for it, the food-wise, and be real careful about what you feed them. So when we're talking about some of the exotics, let's go back a little bit on, you talked about how important nutrition is. So what do you try to do? You try to, you try to feed them as close to what they was eat, eat in the wild? Yeah, yeah, edu- education. Yeah. You just, you know, there's, there's you, a lot of the, the more common breeds, you know, or species, there, there's a lot known on their proper nutrition and what to properly feed them, such as a guinea pig. Them and humans are the only species that require vitamin C. Everything else makes their own vitamin C. But we get scurvy and they get scurvy. So they've got to have vitamin C. So they make, manufacture uh, pellets, food for guinea pigs with vitamin (laughs) C in it. If they're not getting that, then you've got to give them the vitamin C. You've got to give them the vegetables, you know, like your, your green peppers and whatnot to give them vitamin C or they get scurvy. 
Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I so there's a there's a common theme here. Uh, you know, I think when we you know we talk about we can control three things in in our lives as humans to make us healthy, and that's basically eating, exercise, and and sleep. I'm gonna imagine that's that's kind of um, pretty analogous to to um, animals too. But one thing we talk about a lot is vitamin D and how important sunlight or vitamin D is in in humans and Vitamin C also, I mean, these things are all, in, these are important to, to animals and humans alike for sure. Right. Yeah. And um, so expand on a little bit on what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the most exotic, unique animal you've ever taken care of? Uh, you know, probably one we don't see in this area much is a, it's an animal called the Kudamundi, which is a, a South American raccoon. Okay. It, it's actually illegal. Producer, to, can you find a picture of that and stream that? <laughs> good on Mondays. Yeah. I don't think they make great pets. I've only dealt with a couple of them. Usually we have to anesthetize them to do much because they're <laughs> terrible biters outside of their own family. Really? Yes, but uh, they're illegal to sell in this state. They're illegal if, to sell in this in state? In this state. Mm-hmm. But if you move into the state with one, then they're legal to have. And those are the ones that I've taken care of. So they've they've had them as before they moved into the state. There's a lot of things in this state that you cannot legally have. I mean, some states you can have raccoons and skunks. You cannot have those here. Is that right? They can carry rabies, and there yeah, is yeah, there is right. no vaccine for those species. So they've cute. <laughs> mondays are really cute, and their their paws and their noses feel super cool. <laughs> So, yes, I've taken care of those. I used to have a, a, a guy and his wife, they used to travel to me from somewhere in Idaho because they couldn't find anybody there that would deal with their Cuda Monday. So, <laughs> so we did, and, uh, and we did dental work on him and stuff, and, and uh, that was the first one I ever met. And I had to talk to the expert, the animal exotic animal expert over at WSU, and we kind of did you know, some phone consultations with, with WSU on how to properly take care of the pet. Because I didn't know that much at the time about Kudamundis. Yeah, so they're, they're kind of aggressive, like a raccoon? It's like they a raccoon, they just of? tend to bite those that, yeah. I mean, I couldn't handle it well. The owner could handle it, but I couldn't without getting bit. So, it uh, yeah, and I, that's not something you want. No, no. <laughs> so skunks... And what was the other one? Or Raccoon. and raccoons you can't are illegal. Have, you can't have Washington skunks, State. raccoons, foxes. Yeah, foxes because foxes carry rabies too a lot. Times, yeah, or? those. Yeah, they just yeah. outlawed a lot of that kind of stuff. They, you know, they probably don't make the best pets. I mean, yeah. I, you know, I've never had one, but yeah. The, the, so yeah, you can't go bring a baby coyote home. Okay. Okay. You can't do yeah. that. I mean, people do, but you can't. You <laughs> yeah. And then they bring them to you. Probably. Well, I, I, we, we refuse them. We can't. Right. We can't. They, can't take they, care they of them. cannot yeah. have them. So it's we don't take care of them. Wow. Wow. It's interesting. So I've heard you've taken care of spiders too. Tell me a story about a Tarantulas. spider. Tarantulas. Yes. Yes. That's one of those pets that uh, most people that just can't even be around them, but some people love them. And uh, the, probably years ago. A little boy, he brought his in. Uh, he was eight years old. He'd had a tarantula. He got up in the morning. It was summertime. Tarantula was gone from his cage. He looked as good as a little eight-year-old would look, so he didn't find it, so he went out to play. He got dressed. He was outside riding his bike. Well, it 
turned out that his little tarantula pet was in his pant leg, and it fell out, and his bike ran over part Ooh. of it. Yeah. <laughs> so him and his mother he ran over it. Yes, partly. Just he came in, and his him and his mother were, you know, upset. Oh, obviously. Yeah. You know, and, and at that point, I'd never seen a tarantula. And so, again, I had to do some research and uh, found out that spiders, he had a broken leg. That's great. I found out all I had to do is take it off, and they regrow the leg. So, oh, right. So no right. big deal there. Uh, the little part of his body was kind of caved in where the tire had creased it. Wasn't torn, wasn't injured any. So I got online and f- found out that all you do with those is you just – reinflate them with saline (laughs) so (laughs) needle and saline and popped it back out and i talked to the mother probably six years later and the spider was still doing great so you mothers out there if your children want spiders be a they live 10 to 12 years so they are not a short-term pet so yeah i've had mothers say that yeah their kids have gone off to college and they're stuck carrying (laughs) caring for a spider (laughs) so yes just you know research before you allow your children to talk you into a pet so we are live, and if we are taking callers, so if anybody has any questions for Dr. Meyer or any great stories about animals, um, please share them with us, 509-537-0411. So you don't take care of any large animals, is that correct? At least not now, is that correct? We do not. We don't do what's considered farm animals. So we don't okay. do cows, horses, uh, the goats, the pigs. We don't. Mm-hmm. I used to... I, I used to, when uh, the potbelly pigs got popular, I did used to take care of them. Uh, you know, they just, in the clinic situation, the noise and everything was just too much, so we don't do those anymore. And they're not so popular as pets anymore either. How big, a potbelly pig, they didn't get very big, did they? They did, did, but certain individuals were getting quite large. Oh, okay. Certain ones were, but... Yeah, I had a couple of lady friends that uh, were, they were friends, and they had both adopted one, and they talked me into Spain them, and <laughs> that, boy, that was, that was fun, <laughs> having him in the clinic. I mean, it went, well, it went fine, everything went fine, but again, that was a, a learning experience, and uh, they, you know, just, they don't, if, when they don't like to be restrained, they squeal, and it is ear piercing. You have to have ear protection oh it's that loud that bad wow yeah yep it's it's bad so um and i suppose what so like farm animals and stuff they're taking care of are they mostly taking care of like the vets that do do large animal stuff do they do they do that in clinic or do they do that on site most of the time then yes and yes uh most of you know there's the dairy vets they're out on the dairies right but people will bring their horses and stuff to the to the vet and uh when I first got out of school, I worked in a mis- mixed practice, and we did all of that. They brought me on board because they, they weren't doing any small animal, and they wanted to expand and, and do a small animal practice. But, yeah, so I used to do that, and the, uh, the dairyman would bring in certain individuals for hoof problems, mm-hmm. or at where I was at then, they, they had a lot of expensive uh cows that they were doing uh some embryo transfers and that calf was very valuable Mm -hmm. so we did a lot of c-sections okay they came in they didn't want to risk natural birth 
So we would do C-sections, and so that was common at that practice. And, uh, you know, and then the horses, uh, we did have paddock. We had everything set up for them. They did. So, it, you know, sometimes you did it at the house, sometimes in the clinic. And you must, I mean, in order to do a large animal practice like that, you must have to have there's you got different be, equipment i mean you, you got do, i you mean do. totally different equipment for the cattle they had a tip table so you would put the cow up against a table you would strap it to the table you would tip it so you could work on their hooves oh wow yeah, yeah. so it it is it's it's completely different yeah. and when you so uh, and from what i understand there are some specialty clinics that um all they do is like take care of cats is that correct correct yeah you can i mean we are Education is all species except for humans. So when you get out, you can specialize in anything you want to. So there are bird-only practices. Really? Cat-only practices. Yes, you can do all of, you can, you know, do that. And then, you know, if you want to specialize in cardiology, dermatology, ophthalmology, you know, orthopedic surgeries, yes, you can do all of those also, which I think makes this profession fun yeah is that you can you can specialize as much as you want or you can be as broad as you yeah. want yeah 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 that is that that is super 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 cool what a wonderful story um well dr meyer tell us how you know tell us where you're located tell us i heard your ex- your your practice expand is expanding we're we're in the midst uh yeah we're by the high school so at, uh, near you right uh, on sharon avenue and uh that building, we moved in in 1999. Uh, at that point, I was a solo practitioner. It was plenty big enough. I had three exam rooms. We now have four doctors and don't have enough space, and so we need to expand. And so we're just finishing up with our architect on the expansion, and uh, you know, hopefully we can get started on our remodeled expansion soon, which... We're looking forward to, but not looking forward to, because <laughs> right. it's gonna it'll be a little disruptive, and we'll still have to work through it, and we'll see how that all goes. So, what is there? What's the latest and greatest? You you talked about potbelly pigs was were popular for a while. What's the most popular? What's the latest fad now for for pets? Well, I don't know what uh, we're starting to see more when. Uh, the uh, hedgehogs got popular back in nineties, early. They were just, you know, kind of like wild caught. They weren't good pets. You touch them and they just ball up, and <laughs> you know, and they they weren't fun to touch. When they've now been domesticated long enough, them and ferrets both have been. When I first got out of school, and the ferrets, ferrets weren't very nice either. Right, they, were, I heard, they yeah. were huge. But they've now become domesticated, and they're way easier to work with. I saw a little uh, hedgehog this week that had some urine in the blood. So, like most mammals, they can get bladder infections and stuff so they brought them in but i can now do full physical exams without anesthetizing them if before if we needed to see a foot a mouth or stomach or anything we had to anesthetize the hedgehog just so we could see it yeah but now these ones now i can handle and i can pet i can flip out but flip them upside down they're not so scared that they ball up and do the wild hedgehog thing and have all their spines come out <laughs> so you you've seen these over a few generations how they've actually become calmer Pets, as, as yes. they're more domesticated so that's kind of for understand um 
how dogs really originated from wolves, right? Yep. And they basically all originated from the wolf, and they would just breed the calmest one that would hang around people, right? Correct. Yeah. So, so that's yeah, selective, selective breeding. <laughs> right. It's like, okay, this one's nice. Let's breed it to this <laughs> other nice one, and hopefully we get nice offspring. So yeah, so it's 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 nice to see that progression in those particular species. That's really cool yeah. that you can follow that. So. So, well, that about wraps up our podcast. What are your final words you'd like to say to people to keep their pets healthy, um, Dr. Meyer? Yeah, I mean, uh, just like in people, exercise, like Sean was saying, you know, so take your pets for a walk. I mean, that's one of the nice things about having a pet, especially for older people. It keeps you active. It gives you a routine. You know, you have to get up. You have to, you know, feed the pet, clean up after the pet, take the pet out for a walk. So it keeps you active. It keeps the pet active, and, uh, you know, it's healthy for both sides, and it gives you a companion, you know, something that you look forward to waking up and being with. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So it's mental health also. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, All right, well, thank you for being on, Dr. Meyer. We really appreciate your expertise. and um, appreciate you inviting me. Yeah, yeah. So you've been listening to Health Solutions with Sean and Janet Needham, uh, where we have a podcast every Monday at 1 to 2 p.m., and uh, our midweek podcast, it varies from from Wednesday to Friday, depending on our guest schedule. So, Dr. Meyer, thank you for being on, and please share this podcast. Um, I love animals. Uh, My wife loves animals even more. In fact, she thought about being a veterinarian, but um, one of the things she didn't want to be a veterinarian is because she didn't want to deal with the people. (laughs) (laughs) The owners, right? Right. Well, that's that's why I like veterinary medicine. I'm dealing with the pet. (laughs) (laughs) And and of course, as you guys know, Janet is a wonderful pharmacist and loves being with people. It's just just kind of on the side. So so, uh, thank you for tuning in, and we will see you guys Monday.